Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Shelf Care Interview, an occasional conversation series where Booklist talks to book people. This Shelf Care Interview is sponsored by Capstone. I am Ronnie Curry, Senior Editor Books for Youth, and today I will be talking to Rachel Werner. Rachel is a teaching artist for Hugo House, the Loft Literary Center, and Lighthouse Writers Workshop, in addition to being the founder of the Little Book Project Wisconsin. She was awarded an Excellence in Teaching Fellowship from the Loft and the Madeline Island School for the Arts, plus regularly contributes content to the Spruce Eats, Mother Untitled, and Fabulous Media Group. Her first cookbook, Macro Cooking Made Simple, was released in April 2023. And in addition, Rachel's debut capstone titles for younger readers are Floods, which is part of the Wild Earth series, and Moving and Grooving to Fillmore's Beat, which we will be discussing today. Thank you so much for joining me today, Rachel. Oh, I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Ronnie. So if you don't mind, for those who are unfamiliar, could you kick things off by introducing us uh, both to the book and just to the Fillmore in general? Sure, yeah, I'd be happy to. So Moving and Grooving to Fillmore's Beat is a picture book inspired by the Fillmore District in San Francisco. I'm a lot of life creative activity has kind of transpired in that area for decades now, um, especially which really kind of originated in like the early 1900s, while not only the neighborhood was kind of being revitalized after the big fire in San Francisco, but also there they started building what was at the time the Fillmore Ballroom that eventually turned in the Fillmore Auditorium, which many people, whether you're familiar with this area of San Francisco or not, have maybe attended shows there or maybe your parents did back in the years. Um, lots of famous acts have performed there. Any Everyone from Aretha Franklin to Jimi Hendrix, you know, Carl Santana. Um, a lot of the figures that I mentioned in the book, Carl Santana is one of them. So is Maya Angelou, um, Edna James. You know, they either grew up near the neighborhood or in the neighborhood or moved there at some point during the formative parts of their career. So, or spent some lengthy amount of time there. So that's kind of really what the book is about in a nutshell. And clearly you're an artist of, of various kinds. So I, I was just curious, what was your personal relationship with the Fillmore before you wrote the book? And did, did your kind of view of it change afterwards? Well, yes, actually what inspired me to write the book was that I actually had never heard of the term the Harlem of the West. And that's essentially what led me to kind of discovering and hearing about the Fillmore and then doing my own research. And I heard this term and I was like, what are they talking about? Like I remember I was reading something and I heard this and I was just like, what? So then I kind of like Googled this as we do nowadays. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> what is this? And I was like, and I was like, there's a whole neighborhood. And then I just kind of, then I went down the rabbit hole, right? Because I just was really surprised, you know, that this existed, like this amazing district in the state that I'm originally from. And I just, you know, it was really kind of one of those moments where you're yet again reminded that there's so many things that are left out of our history in this country, not only on like a national level, but also just regionally, right? And the cities and states where we live, there's just so much local lore and information and history that, you know, I just felt like that's kind of a big deal. You know, like I can't imagine anyone having grown up in the United States and never having heard of like Harlem and New York City at this point, right? So the idea that something at one point was so prestigious or rich in arts and culture that it literally was compared to Harlem in New York 
and that's not as common of knowledge, I found to be pretty shocking. So that really was what my inspiration for writing the book was. What what kind of research did you do then? Did you go super deep and did you, were there any like facts, like specific things that stood out to you that were surprising? Well, I think what was most surprising was that once I started looking, there was tons of information. Like it wasn't something where it was like, oh, I had to like go to the library, you know, and call and, you know, like librarians and like ask for them to like, you know, help me find things. You know, it was like once you actually start looking, there's like a wealth of information because of how many different people and, you know, and different types of arts and movements were connected there. I mean, even like the first and I referenced this in the um, back matter of the book, even though it's not specifically art centric, I wanted to point out that it did tr- transcend just the creative arts in the sense that so like the first um, Buddhist like official teaching of like Buddhist philosophy that that's least that anybody can like prove or that's recorded happened in this neighborhood. So like, you know, as far as, you know, so I, I, I mentioned the, the monk that came over because I just felt like it was important to show that it's not, it wasn't like it was just one type of music or one type of art or wasn't, it was like, there was a lot, it was a very, very culturally diverse neighborhood and, and then just what, you know, it was very open. And I just feel like, especially like in a, living in a time that's so politicized, and there's so many divides, you know, in different ways. And this idea is we we all continue to like, um, you know, want and seek and are, you know, pushing for more inclusivity across the board in so many different spaces that I felt that it was really important to to kind of highlight, like, here's this amazing, this, this is not, we have models for this, right? <laughs> I'm like, here's an entire neighborhood of people who had vastly different backgrounds and interests. And they found a way and identities and they found a way to cohabitate and not just cohabitate, but really thrive. Right. And, and, and accomplish some pretty amazing things and create some pretty mind blowing art. One hundred percent. And I mean, and this book is it's more than just a slice of history because you very intentionally show there's images kind of leading the reader through the decades from like the 60s to present day. Why was it important to you to to make that connection between, because like you said, it started the early 20th century all the way to today. Why did you want to connect the past and present like that? Because I wanted to show that people could still go there. You know, I feel like there's a lot of things that there are a lot of books that are written in this, which is not a bad thing about the past, right? The past. But I definitely wanted people to know that like, you can go here. I mean, you know, especially pre-pandemic, you know, the Fillmore um, auditorium in the neighborhood was still was hosting this amazing massive jazz festival which my from what I everything I've been able to ascertain is that you know they've, they've done as much as they can since COVID times to kind of revitalize that but that was still very much a, an annual a massive annual event that was taking place every year so I wanted people to know you know again definitely for those who live within the state of California but just in other places like I mean San Francisco is a huge you know area that attracts tourists where it's like you can go there you know you can look at this neighborhood and like you can go to the auditorium and you know there are cultural markers and it was just you know um and that they still are doing things it's not like no it doesn't exactly resemble like with anything in every place right like it has it has evolved over the years but this isn't something that's just like disappeared either you know yeah and as an adult you know reading this this book i it was such a good launching point for me to like think about the place, but also just the various artists like you were mentioning that I hadn't, I maybe heard of, but didn't really know anything about. But also, this is a picture book for young yeah. readers, <laughs> which I think <laughs> it serves both levels. Um, so, on a picture book level, what what were you hoping that the younger readers would take away? 
I wanted kids to know that like, it's possible. It's possible for us to live together, work together, create alongside each other. You know, this isn't, um, this isn't something new, like the like areas, even though it may not have been very common necessarily throughout every part of the United States at certain times in the more recent past, you know, as far as, like I said, going back into like the 1910s, 1920s, 1930s, but it wasn't like, you know, I feel like a lot of the times the narrative that really gets kind of passed through most educational systems for younger kids is that like essentially everybody lived separately, you know what I mean? Because of segregation and, you know, the lack of civil rights and that kind of thing, you know, until bam, we got to like the 1960s, right? You know, and it's like 1970s and that just isn't true. And so I think it was good to, that was really my, my, my impetus of being like there, this, this is like, that's how, how I grew up. Like I grew up in a town that was very like, um, integrated, you know? And again, we're talking, I mean, obviously I'm not, <laughs> I, I'm much younger than what I'm talking about as far as in the history with the, with the film war. But, you know, that was something for me that I didn't realize until I went to college for the first time. Right. I remember, you know, whatever that would be like 20 years ago ish, 19, something like that ago. And, um, maybe a little bit less than that. I might be doing the math wrong, but anyways, <laughs> that I didn't, um, I just didn't, I just didn't realize that so many, so many communities were still so homogeneous, right? Because mm -hmm. that's not the kind of town that I grew up in. And so I think it's just good for kids to see that, like, there's so many different models of life, you know, of like healthy communities, you know, not to say there aren't things that need to be worked on or improved in different ways everywhere. But I think it was just good to, for me, it was important. Like, I wanted kids to see that this does exist, you know, and has for a long time here in the United States. Speaking of kind of the visual component, I wanted to just less of a question, more of a chance to talk about the artwork. But I'm curious, just kind of how you felt when you first. So you're you have an illustrator named Gerard K. Polk. Yes. Talented. How did you feel when you first got those images? Oh my gosh! I so the very first thing I ever saw that I got, you know, through like the connections of uh, the the editors that Jared and I were both working with. Um, through Tapstone was the mock-up for the cover. And even before the colors were filled in, you could see that it was going to be amazing, right? And then mm -hmm. when I got to see the first full cover color demo, I was like, oh my goodness. It was just the vibrancy. I mean, you, I, I love every time I look at the cover, I smile. <laughs> just Not only, yes, it's my book, but it's just like the colors, the way he's rendered the artist. It just, it's so full of life, right? And you just like, I don't know. It's just one of those things you just, I, I feel like you just want to reach for it because it's just, it's just joy. That's, and that's what I wanted, right? You know, it's like, I want, I want kids to feel like, yeah, I want to see what this book's about. This is cool. Look at all, you know what I mean? And just want to get into the story and just pick it up. And like, I don't know, I just radiates vibrancy and life. And so, yeah, I, Gerard is an amazing, I've never met him yet in person, but I give him so much kudos. I'm so glad that he was a part of this project and he helped bring my words to life in this way yeah he, he has he really has an amazing way of capturing like a, a a movement of a body or like an expression on a on a musician's face in a way that's like so accurate and real and like you said so vibrant he really nailed it so you you do all kinds of of, of arts so you, you could kind of tie this into any of them i guess but i just wanted to ask what are some of the inspirations behind your writing or just you as an artist Oh, I think we as an artist is just wanting to the joy, right? I'm going to go back to the joy and the hope. And I think you can't have hope without joy. 
And I feel like we, we consistently for, and art of all for all ages, but specifically, I would say in literary writing, you know, whether it be diverse books in the sense of somebody else outside of that identity or community has written the work or even own voices work where, you know, it is more personal, more of a personal based narrative or direct experience with whatever the theme is, you know, we're still very much inundated. I feel like with trauma based narratives mm-hmm. or things about, or kind of, like I said, that the challenges and the difficulties in history, and by no means am I saying, do I think those need to be erased or not addressed because those are definitely important and there needs to remain a place for that as well. Um, but I also think, you know, there's that uh, just reminding everyone that like, we're all human and regardless of what your identity or community or background is, is that at the end of the day, we want to live our lives and we're enjoying them. And that, yes, and some of our ancestors really struggled, obviously, but they also had kids and fell in love and made art and that continues to happen. And so I want to, I feel like a lot of my art is inspired just about being like, we're, we're beautiful, right? And our lives have been, been, are beautiful and our history is beautiful in myriad ways. So like, let's, let's make sure those stories get as much of a voice as the rest, right? So we have more of a holistic picture of who we are and where we come from and hopefully where we're going. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's, that's part of why I still love reading kids books because I feel like children's authors don't forget about the hope. So uh, a big theme in this book is community and, and, and the power of, of arts and community arts. Can you tell us about the little book project Wisconsin? Yeah, so the little book, I'm going to try and make this short. <laughs> because little book is, yeah, I feel like I can write a dissertation. Every time someone interviews me about little book, I'm just like, oh my goodness, like how much time do we have? But no. people who don't know. Yeah, no, no, I'm just teasing. But no, Little Book Project Wisconsin is a community arts initiative that up until now, this year, it will, there's only going to be one edition of it, but it is in the, up until now, it's been two issues. So biannually, I work with a local nonprofit based somewhere in the state of Wisconsin, and we create a zine. But the idea is, is that each one has a theme and you know, we've done everything from mental health to um, we've done representation, we access and representation and correction was what the theme of that one was. The most recent one that came out in fall of last year was Veteran Voices. So all the artwork and writing in that book was specifically produced by artists that not only identify as veterans, but also identify as disabled. Uh, so yeah, but I'm really proud of that. Just how many people the, the project has resonated with every month, even outside of the books coming out since that the zine, since they only come out twice a year, um, the little books is kind of what we call them that twice a month we feature on the blog, on the little book website, two different artists that live somewhere in the state. And that's everything from visual artists to performers, to writers, um, and so that, you know, of all ages as well, too. So that's been something that's been really, um, and to identify with different communities, I think the majority, I've, I've lost the exact percentage count, but we're still like by far like 70%, I think of the, if not 80 of the artists that have um, been featured on the website actually are from what I like to consider the global majority, <laughs> but is often referred to as marginalized communities. <laughs> so yeah, I just am really, I'm really proud of the, how it's grown, but um, I'm just so glad that I've been able to create a space for more artists to be able to see their work in print because, you know, the reality is, at least with traditional publishing, so many visual and artists and writers, literary artists too, will never see their work in print 
but it doesn't mean that there isn't an audience for that or they shouldn't be heard or, you know, like there's somebody who that, that, that writing or that art would really resonate with. And so I'm just glad that I've been able to create like an avenue for more people to get their art into the world, into public, you know, spaces and hands. Yeah, that that's amazing. Again, that that's the Little Book Project Wisconsin. Is that I pop that into Google and I, and I think it's your first hit. So if you'd like to to learn more, I encourage you to do so. That's great. Are there any other projects, personally, past or present, that you'd like to promote before we go? Yes. Well, I my next book that will come out in 2024, tenderly as a release date, is Glow and Grow, um, and that is a beauty and body positivity book specifically for girls of color who are about, you know, eight to 12, 18 to 13 year olds. Um, I'm working on that as we speak. We're in the editing revising process for that. Um, That'll come out with Free Spirit Publishing. Um, I'm just, yeah, that's a book that I could have used (laughs) during my adolescence and I would say older formative years. So I'm really hoping that this will just, you know, there's a lot of books that exist, you know, necess- you know, for, you know, kind of that phase of, um, of the tra- transitioning through like of womanhood going toward it, but not specifically through a cultural lens. So I'm really excited to be able to you know, have a book like that in the market because I think there's a need for it. Thank you so much, Rachel, for giving us your time. And thank you, everyone else, for listening to the Shelf Care interview. This Shelf Care interview was sponsored by Capstone, the publisher of Moving and Grooving to Fillmore's Beat, which is available now. Until next time, happy reading, everyone. <laughs>